You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. How's everybody doing? We are so glad that you're here. So let me start by telling you a story of my wife and I's first date. And if you've, if you've been here at Calvary for a while, you may have heard the story, but I break it out every 18 months or so. So just laugh in the appropriate spots. I'd appreciate it. But now there's a whole part of the story I'm not going to tell, which is the part where my wife had to tell me to ask her out. And uh, that's a different, you got to understand I'm a musician. Uh, that means I didn't have to ask girls out. I was in a band, so girls asked me out. So I think my wife is the only girl I've ever asked out. And, um, and I'm not saying that's right or anything. I'm just saying that's how I was living at 19 years old. So anyway, when I met her. But I showed up uh, at a, on a Friday night at her house, and I walked up to the door, and I was wearing a black T-shirt that said Star Blazers in big orange letters. Now, if you don't know, Star Blazers has been my favorite TV show since I was seven years old. Um, it is a Japanese anime show that came out in the 70s, and I still love it. But once again, probably not first date gear. I think we'd all agree to that. I was also wearing a pair of pajama pants. And um, in the first service, there was these girls in the front, and they were like, <gasps> like they, it's, like, it's like I did it to them. They, they were so taken back by it. But I appreciate you guys being cool about it. But anyway, so but I had these pajama pants, but that I bought at a thrift store for a dollar, and uh, and I cut them off at the knees. And you know how when you do that, and then you wash that, you get those little like fray things. I don't really know what the technical name is, but it's just like those strands. So I had that going on and those things hit almost the ground. So pajama pants, the star, the star blazer shirt. I was also wearing a plaid baseball cap backwards because I had a purple mohawk at the time, if you can believe that. I know now I can only grow the reverse, but, um, but I, <laughs> but I had this, um, but I, uh, so, but I was, I had, it was, uh, it was purple, but I was growing it out. So part of it was, part of my mohawk was purple part of it was black, and then I had the uh, ball cap on just to kind of hide that, and, um, and so I, I really looked like a chia pet gone bad, uh, but you know, now I want you to imagine purple and black mohawk, baseball cap, star blazers, $1 pajama pants, and I knock on the door, and it's like, hi, I'm here to pick up your daughter, and it's like, <laughs> I don't think so. So anyway, I walk in, Carrie answers the door, and, and um, I, I meet Carrie's stepdad with not that much enthusiasm, as you can imagine, and I, um, he sa she says, hey, uh, this is Bob, and um, I, I kid you not, this is how he greeted me. He was watching TV in their living room, and then he turns from, his living, from the living room and looks at me, and he has a cigarette in his hand, and he goes, and then just turns back to watching TV. And that was my, my introduction to him. He was not a big fan. Thankfully, 30 years later, he's still not a big fan. <laughs> but that's probably the warmest reception he get, he's given me. Anyway, um, now, as a dad, I get it, right? Is, uh, now, I could have been the nicest guy in the world, but once again, what was on the outside didn't really match what was happening internally. 
The problem is a lot of times it's actually reversed, and that is that we put on a good front, but what's happening internally doesn't match the polished exterior that we're showing the world. And listen, if we're honest, this has been the plague of the church. Because listen, if, if we can just talk frankly, most non-Christians don't have a problem with Jesus. Right? They think Jesus is great. Uh, they have a problem with Christians that don't behave a lot like Christians. And we've all heard the critique, right? You know, I don't go to church. Why? The church is full of? Oh, you've heard it too. So yeah, we've heard, and, and, and that, um, and, and once again, the statement is telling us something. It's telling us that it's not that people who don't believe don't want to believe. In fact, I believe that to be the opposite. I believe that people who aren't Christians um, would love to believe the gospel, would love to believe the message of Jesus. What they're looking for is, it, are there any Christians who believe the message of Jesus that really embrace the gospel of Jesus and are interested in living like it? Um, the author, uh, Brennan Manning, is a famous quote that I'll read to you, but uh, Manning says this, that the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because Jesus is going to give his final public address. And he's going to give it to his disciples, to a group of people who are there about the religious leaders and really expose their hypocrisy. And so as we talk about hypocrisy, I, I want us, it's important for us to define it because a lot of times what gets defined as hypocrisy isn't actually hypocrisy. Um, but so let's, let's define what it is and what it is not. Let's first start with what it is not, what it's not. No, if you're a note taker, we have it there. Hypocrisy is not the space between who I am and who I wish to be. Now, I'm sorry to be the one to tell you this, but you're a sinner, now, that may, that may not come as a surprise because, you know, you live with yourself. Um, and I live with myself. I'm not surprised by that when someone says that to me. Like, oh, trust me, I'm, a, I'm well aware. And um, because all of us are sinners, all of us have fallen short of God's standard. If we're being honest, we've even fallen short of the standard that we set up for ourselves. You ever been on a diet and eat a donut? Well, then there you have it. All right? So that's, now, I, you know, the other day I was driving by this donut shop, and I prayed this prayer. I just said, Lord... If it's your will for me to go into that donut shop, let a spot open right in the front. And can you believe that the seventh time I drove around the block, there was... <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> now, listen, hypocrisy isn't saying uh, the wrong thing. It's not doing the wrong thing. But listen, that's just sin. All of us make mistakes. We all stumble. That's not. So let's define hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is this. Hypocrisy is pretending to be what you're not. And the issue of hypocrisy is what Jesus wants to talk about in his final public address before he is uh, betrayed, arrested, and crucified. In his final public sermon, let's be honest, it's a little bit of a strange topic. I think some of us would think, well, he probably would preach a sermon on like loving one another or maybe give the message of salvation to all people. But instead, it's a heavy message about how hypocrisy kills everything that it touches and to beware. And listen, I'm, I know, I know that this is a heavy message. And I know some of us woke up this morning like, oh man, I just, I just want something light and fluffy and, um, and, and, you, wow, you really picked the wrong Sunday. And so I'm, I'm sorry, but we need, we, we need to hear it. 
And we've been working our way, uh, this is message number 35 or 36 in the Gospel of Matthew, and we've been working our way. And here's why I believe this is so important. Because if we want to be people who live with joy, and we want to be people who live and we're free, then we have to, um, we have to get away from the games that we play, the fakeness that we put up, and simply start getting real. And if we will embrace what Jesus is saying, I'm telling you, our lives will be all the better for it. And the world outside of the four walls of the church are going to look on at us and be so much more open to the message of Jesus when they hear it. So we're going to start in uh, Matthew chapter 23, in verse 1. Here's what we read. It says, Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe... That observe and do, but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge in the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greeting in the marketplace uh, to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But you, do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Don't call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And he who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exhausted. And if you pause there and give me your attention... Three things we're going to look at in, in our time together. But the first is this, if you're a note taker... Jesus opens by talking about how hypocrisy focuses on the public but ignores the private. I think the other thing that's important to note as we get started is it says that Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples. The religious leaders were there, and he was speaking about them, but he was speaking to his disciples, and he was speaking to a multitude of people who were interested in what Jesus had to say. And the first thing that he does is affirm the authority of the religious leaders. He's like, hey, they sit at Moses' seat. What does that mean? If you're sitting in the chair, that's, that actually is a phrase that we still use to this day. If you go to a college and say, oh, this person is, and say, oh, this person is our chair in this topic, it means that they are the authority on that particular subject. Catholics today, well, they, they, when the Pope makes a decree, they say he speaks in Latin, he speaks ex cathedra, that is from the chair. Uh, boards of directors have a chairman of the board, the guy who calls the meetings to order. So this is an understanding that the chair is the place of authority. It's Moses' seat. It, it is, they speak with the authority uh, from the law of Moses and how they interpret it. So uh, Jesus isn't criticizing their authority. He's criticizing how they use their authority because there's nothing wrong with authority. Authority is a neutral thing. Uh, authority is like electricity. It's, it's however you use it that makes it good or bad. And so they use their authority to put heavy burdens on people but wouldn't put any burdens on themselves. And this is the do as I say, not as I do stuff that makes us all crazy. Now, here's the key, and this is the point that Jesus is making is that everything they do is to be seen as holy and special and a little bit better than you by everybody, seen like that by everybody else. So they, it says they enlarge their phylacteries. Now, what is a phylactery? A phylactery is a little leather box. 
If you come with us to Israel uh, later in the year, you'll, you'll see this. And if you drive around South Florida, you'll, you'll see this as well. And there's a, um, a fairly large Jewish population here. And that is, you'll see that, um, you'll see these leather straps that Orthodox Jews will wear and that it'll have a little box on their, on their hand. They'll wear um, like a, it's like a headband and then they'll have a little box right here on their foreheads. Those are phylacteries. Inside that little box are four Bible verses, two from Exodus and two from Deuteronomy. One of the passages is Exodus 13, one through 10. Now let me read you verse nine because this is where they get it from and you'll see it on the notes or on, your, on the screen. It says, uh, it shall be a sign to you on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the Lord's law may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. Now, once again, I think most of us would read this and say that's probably figurative language. That if something is on your hand, it's referring to what you do. If it's on your forehead, it's what you think. If it's in your mouth, it's basically, it's, it's talking about what you say. But they said, no, 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 we're going to take it literally because we love God a little bit more than you do. And that was what the religious leaders were saying. But, you know, the Bible says to hide God's word in your heart. And I don't know that anybody's drilling a hole to jam something in the aorta, um, but they, at least they shouldn't. But these people just wanted to be seen as the holiest. And so because they wanted the good seats, they wanted to be greeted, they loved the titles. And listen, uh, titles are fine. Um, and, and like there's titles that people give me. I like, as far as titles go, pastor is the one that I'm good with. Um, sometimes people call me reverend. I'm not a big fan of reverend, just FYI. And um, you know why? Because there is a passage in Psalm 111 that says this. It says, holy and reverend is your name. That's the only time the word reverend is used is referring to God. God's name is reverend Bob. And it's not quite so reverend, all right? So, but every time I get invited to something, especially if it's like a kind of a highbrow thing, um, I've been invited to some military things like someone's getting a promotion or there's like someone's taking over a base and so they they want me to come and pray and say a few words and then they'll get like you know how should we address you I'm like hey pastor is fine and um, and then they'll say okay and how, what what title should we put in the program and um, and I'll say pastor Bob is fine and so uh, I remember one I went to and I got there and they handed me a program so I'd know when to come up and it said the right reverend pastor Bob Frank was it wasn't even reverend it was the right reverend because the wrong reverend didn't show up. The right one showed up. And man, my kids were busting my chops that day. I'm like, I don't think you know who you're dealing with. The right reverend is here. Not the left reverend, the right reverend. All right? So, but you know, listen, titles are, people can get weird. Uh, but I'll tell you this, you know, I, I, I told you a little bit of the story last week that I was in Georgia a couple weeks ago. And we went, uh, we were in, in the mountains and we went uh, tubing uh, in the snow. And then my wife um, broke her ankle, and it was like chaos when it happened. And then we were getting her down the stairs, and then like, then security showed up, and then there was a medic there to kind of wrap her ankle, and then there was a bunch of people that just gathered around, like, oh, we didn't know this was part of the show. And uh, so they were watching, and that's always fun. Like, my wife is screaming because she's in pain, and there's some guy like, oh, that's cool, you know, and it's just so weird. And so then they had these lockers, and my son and I had to go get uh, a jacket out of, out of our uh, locker that was there. And when I was walking over, uh, a guy walks up to me and he says, hey, Pastor Bob, is that you? And, uh, and I was like, yes, it is. And, uh, and it was so, and listen, and I, can I tell you this? Because in the, in the midst of all that chaos, man, I was praying, I'm like, God, what are you doing in this? Where are you in this? And then some guy's like, Pastor Bob, is that you? And it just showed me if the people of God are with me, then the Lord is here with me too. And I was so, I was so happy. I just found it so comforting. And, um, 
But Jesus is teaching here, and I want you to notice he says three things. Don't let anybody call you rabbi, father, or teacher. And it's like, well, that's, if we don't understand the context of that, we'll get that, that'll be very confusing. Like if nobody can call you father, what are my kids, and my kids like, Mr. Franquist, hey, can I, you know, what are they supposed to call me? Uh, and so here's what you have to understand is that in Judaism, leading rabbis, I mean, the big names, they had huge followings. They were considered the masters. In fact, the word rabbi means literally revered one. And uh, they were like spiritual fathers uh, to their students. And there's a lot of rabbinic literature that talks about that rabbis and their students were closer than fathers and sons. Um, And so, um, in fact, the more popular rabbis there, and you can Google this if you want to search it, um, their sayings are called the sayings of the fathers. And so what Jesus is talking about is that the disciples aren't to take the role of the, the father of, you know, the faith or the master of, of the faith. Why? Because Jesus is the master and all of us are following him. That's why like in Judaism, if you've been with us in our study in the gospel of Matthew, we've talked about this, that it was called like the house of Hillel. All of his teachings, all of disciples were called that the house of Hillel or the house of Shammai. And so what happens is, is that he's saying there's not going to be that. There isn't going to be the house of Peter or Rabbi Paul's school of theology. There isn't going to be that because all of us are following Jesus. He is the master. And our job, if we want to be exalted, is to do what Jesus says, is to serve. He says, the person who wants to be greatest among you shall be your servant. So if you try to exalt yourself, you'll be humbled. And if you humble yourself, you'll be exhausted. Uh, you'll be ex- exalted. If you humble yourself, you, won't, you might be exhausted from hanging out, but you're not going to be exhausted from, from uh, working it out. So, but then he goes on, and this is where it gets really heavy. So this is where, you know, if you brought a helmet, you may want to put it on. Uh, but he says this in verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for, ne- for you neither go in yourselves nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour uh, widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. So let's pause there because that's light and fluffy. And um, we'll, let's, let's talk about what is Jesus saying here. Uh, if you're a note taker, he's talking about how, how if the first thing that we said was that hypocrisy focuses on the public, not the private. The second thing is, is that hypocrisy lacks integrity and humility. Now, in this section, Jesus gives eight woes to the religious leaders. And this is important because it reveals to us everything that hypocrisy does. Now, if you really want to go down the rabbit hole, and this, by the way, is a worthy study to do. Uh, If you will look at Jesus' first sermon in the Gospel of Matthew, which is the Sermon on the Mount, he opens the Sermon on the Mount with eight blessings that are called the Beatitudes, eight ways to to live a, a blessed life. And if you will look at his final sermon, which is the, uh, this sermon to the scribes and Pharisees and the eight woes, you will see that if you line them up, they are the exact opposite of each other. And we'll do our best to uh, look at a couple of these as we go through. But, um, and I'm, not, I'm trying to kind of group these together. If not, we'll be here all day. But the first thing, what he talks about in the first three is he talks about how hypocrisy turns people off to God. 
And if you're a note taker, hypocrisy turns people off to God. That's what he says in verse 13. He says, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. He's saying, look, look, you're not letting people into heaven and you yourself aren't going in either because of your hypocrisy. And, um, and I think, listen, all of us understand that because all of us have gone to places where we've had a terrible experience and because of the terrible experience, now not only is the person not gonna be there, but we're like, no, I'm not going there either, right? Every single one of us have had places that we won't go because we had a terrible experience. That is exactly the reason why I will never go to a Waffle House. And, uh, and it's because, and I'm going to tell you what happened to me 28 years ago, and I'm still not over it. So I, I used to be in a band, um, and this is 1995. My band was on tour from, uh, supporting our first album, and we had just played a show in downtown Atlanta in this theater, and uh, we got done. When the whole show was done and everything was loaded up, it was about 2 in the morning, and everybody's hungry. The only thing that's open at 2 in the morning in the South is uh, Waffle House. And so we pull up to the Waffle House. The best part is that the W wasn't lit up, so just read Awful House. And, uh, and so I walk in and I go to order some waffles. And the server says, I'm sorry, we're out of waffles. And I'm like, that's impossible. You're the Waffle House. And she's like, yeah, well, we ran out. So I end up ordering something else. And I just, and I vowed that day. And I just said, Never again. I'm never coming back here. Because if you say you're the Waffle House, you better have waffles. And I just left in Jesus' name. You know, and I know I, I, I left. But I'm telling you, people do this with Christianity all the time. They meet some weirdo who says they're a Christian, and then he doesn't behave like a Christian, and they swear everything off that has to do with Jesus. And, and listen, here's the thing that I've learned that I think is so important. People who aren't Christians aren't expecting Christians to be perfect. They're just expecting us to tr be trying. Uh, to, to act like a Christian. So it's not unreasonable to expect Christians to act like Christians. The other thing that uh, Jesus says that I think is important to note is the third one when he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, that is one convert to Judaism. And when he's one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourself. The second thing is this, um, hypocrisy reproduces itself in others. You wanna know Here's how you can just know what you're dealing with. What do the people who are influenced by someone look like? Right? What do their kids look like? Because anybody can talk a good game. We, can all, we know how to talk a good game. We know how to say all the right things. But we only reproduce what we are. If we are, we, oh, man, yeah, praise the Lord, bro, yeah, praying about it. You know, we have all, like, the Christian buzzwords but if we are really bitter and angry, that's what we're bringing home. And I can assure you of this, is that whatever we bring home is what we'll be reproducing with our kids. And we shouldn't be surprised by that. That is a principle of life. Everything always reproduces after its kind. That's what God says in Genesis chapter 1, when everything is being created. Everything reproduces after its kind. Animal, flowers, fish, birds, people, everything produces like kind. So if we want to know what we are, we should know and look at what we're reproducing. But you know what the cool thing is? And this, I, I do love this, is that whatever it is that we want to reproduce, we have to be that. And so if we say that we want to have a family that's full of joy and generosity and faithfulness and life and all that, here's the thing, we've got to be that. And I'm telling you, you know what's um, even better than desiring that and putting on a show is being it and living it.
Listen, can I tell you the most, you know what the most common sound at my house is? The most common sound above anything else. The most common sound at my house is laughter. And I, I got to tell you, I, I don't know that anything brings me more joy than, than when, I, when I say that. There is so much laughter in my house. And by the way, it's not just me telling jokes, which there's a fair amount of that that goes on too. Um, but there is, that's, it's, it's my wife, it's my kids, um, and, and, and it's just the, everybody making each other laugh. And that's been our one goal. And people say like, well, you know, what's the goal of your family? We have one goal. We want to be the family that laughs the most. Because we know this, is that wherever there is joy, um, there, you know, the Bible says this, that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And where there's joy, there's wisdom, uh, there's life, all of that, every, every, it's all there. And we, we, we desire that. And I'm telling you, uh, but you've just got to be intentional. And, uh, and I love, I mean, there's times that my kids are telling jokes at the dinner table that one of them starts choking because they're laughing so hard. I love the sound of my kids choking uh, <laughs> from laughter. And uh, we just, we get good at the Heimlich at our house. And, uh, and then there's always followed by this, like, hey, we catch you at a bad time. And, uh, and it's always like in the middle of somebody drinking something or chewing something that they say something hilarious. Because listen, nobody be, wants to be around someone that looks like they've been baptized in lemon juice. You know, nobody wants to be, you know, if you want joy, you want to be around joyful people. I'm telling you, um, there are so many things that I love about Calvary, but one of the things uh, that I love, and and, and people that are new, you know, we're kind of just, you know, we're we're living it, Uh, but people who are new, and I see this, you know, because I read the comment cards that people leave, and and people just talk about how much joy there is here, and people are like, man, you guys act like Jesus is alive. Yeah, because he is. And uh, you guys, you know, you guys, uh, you guys seem like you really love each other. Well, that's because we got to do. And, uh, but you know what? Let me tell you, let me tell you who can't hang with all the joy. Sometimes people who are just miserable show up, but they only show up one time. Uh, they, people who are miserable will show up. And I'll get an occasional email from people who just like, they cannot handle the level of joy that we're operating at here at Calvary. And they'll be like, I don't understand. Why are you always smiling and laughing? We need to be taking the Lord seriously. And, uh, and, and, and I'll, I'll reply, I'm like, yeah, we, we take the Lord very seriously. We don't take ourselves that serious. Um, but we take the Lord so serious that we're doing what Jesus said. He says, I've told you these things that your joy might be full. That's what Jesus said in the gospel of John chapter 16. And then I'll write at the end when I respond. So if you're not full of joy, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Pastor Bob, send. And, uh, and, uh, and they don't ever write back. Haters going to hate. So anyway, but look, here's, uh, I'll show you one more in uh, verse 23. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, but have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you should have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Now, um, Last one uh, in your notes there is uh, that hypocrisy does the motion without the emotion. Now, here's where, uh, by the way, that phrase, strain out an ant and swallow a camel, I am absolutely convinced that got a huge laugh in that crowd because they understood the background of it. I'm going to explain the background in a minute, and then next time you hear it, you're going to be like, that's hilarious. But you missed it. 
because I haven't taught it to you yet. But once you hear it again, you're really going to get a kick out of it. Anyway, so the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 14 were commanded to tithe. But they were commanded to tithe of their flocks and of their grain. And that's because that was their income in that current culture. That was currency. If they lived too far away, they could exchange, they could sell the, you know, tenth of their flock, a tenth of their grain for money. And then when they came to Israel, uh, into the land of Israel, they could then buy whatever it is that they wanted to offer and give that way. But there was no command. And this is the key. Jesus is saying the Pharisees, they tithe of mint, anise, and cumin. There's no command to tithe of your spices. And I hope that nobody came here today and took the offering envelope and like, you know, here's, you got all the garlic powder? All right, let's count this out. Like, if I start finding that in oregano, I'm not going to think it's spices. I'm going to think of something else. All right? So, because people leave weird things in the offering boxes. So, uh, anyway, so, I appreciate the few of you that got that joke. And, um, (laughs) and so, but listen, there was no command. There's no command to do that. They're just simply trying to prove how spiritual they are. They're, it's not because they wanted to give or they wanted to honor God. They wanted to further the kingdom. It was all a show. And so Jesus says, look, you're tithing down to the spice. And he chooses these three spices because they were three of the smaller ones. And then he says, but you're neglecting the weightier matters, the bigger matters, justice, mercy, and faith. Listen, when we talk about Christian living, tithing is the basics. Tithing is like kindergarten in spiritual life. And I understand some people haven't made it out of kindergarten, but justice, mercy, and faith is the graduate level stuff that we should be uh, seeking because justice, mercy, and faith is revealing what I really believe about God. Remember, these religious leaders When he talks about justice and mercy, he's saying that because they were part of what was called the Sanhedrin, which was like the Jewish Supreme Court at the time. And and he's saying that they didn't care about justice or mercy. By the way, I told you that the Beatitudes correlate to these eight woes. Which one correlates to this one? The Beatitude is Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. What is mercy? It's not getting what you deserve. You do something wrong, and instead of getting punishment, someone forgives. And um, now, this isn't something that Jesus just pulled out of a hat. He quoted this. Justice, mercy, and faith is a quotation from an Old Testament prophet in the book of Micah, where he says in, in Micah 6, 8, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And that's what's revealing what we believe about God. Um, we, had, uh, we had a pastor here that moved a few years ago to plant a church on the other coast of Florida named John. And uh, John is an amazing guy. He and I are still great friends. Uh, but when he was still on staff with us, he loaned someone his car. And when they brought it back to him, they scratched part, like one side of it was all scratched. And, um, and so John is in my office and he's telling me the story. Oh, I lent my car to this guy. And, uh, and, and then, but he brought it back and, and uh, it, it was all scratched up. And, um, and I said, so what happened? And he's like, well, you know, I just, I forgave him and told him not to worry about it. And I don't know why I got so triggered by this. I was so upset. And I'm like, you know, John, this is what's wrong with America. Like, this is where I went with that. This is what's wrong with America 
It's totally irresponsible. People need to learn how to be responsible for their actions. You know what the right thing to do is to make them pay for it so that people learn that there are consequences to the things that they do. And I gave them a whole thing. I'm a preacher, so I know how to go. So I went for a little while, and then I got done. And he's like, hey, uh, can, I, can, I, can I say something? I'm like, sure. He's like, okay. He's like, you know the other guy, this other guy? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, last week I had to do this other thing and I needed a truck, and I borrowed this guy's truck. But while I was loading the thing in the truck, I scratched the back of his truck. And I brought it back, and I told him that I was going to pay for it to get buffed out and repainted, and he forgave me. And I just thought, since the guy that I had sinned against forgave me, that when someone did the same thing to me, that I should forgive them because I'm almost positive that Jesus said something along those lines. And so I said, okay, we're going to go with that. And I have to leave. And so I just ran out of there, came back a week later. And so, but listen, that's, that's Micah 6.8 in action. It's that we seek to do what's right. We want to do justly. But if someone falls short, the thing that we want to do is love mercy. Not just love mercy for ourselves, but love mercies for others. Because you know what? Everybody falls short. And this is what the religious leaders miss. And this is why Jesus said, hey, you know what? You're tithing on all this. You should have done that without leaving the other stuff. Uh, justice, mercy, and faith. You shouldn't have left that undone. And he says, that's why, he says, you are blind guides who strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Now, in Leviticus chapter 11, that's where the list is of everything that's in bounds and out of bounds for people who are Jewish, what they can eat or not eat. And in Judaism, a gnat is the smallest thing that is unclean, that you cannot eat. A camel is the largest thing that you can't eat. And so now in the first century, you would see people who were Jewish leaders, they'd be walking around and a gnat would fly into their mouth. They'd be like, ah, 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 because what they don't want to do is actually swallow the gnat. So they're like practically making themselves throw up because it's like they cannot allow the gnat to go down the gullet because then that's eating something unclean. And he's saying, look, you are straining to not eat a gnat, but you are actually swallowing an entire camel and you don't even realize it. The next time you hear that, you're going to think it's hilarious. And, um, and, if, and if you don't, you're sinning against Jesus. So, you know, think about it. Or, no, I'm kidding. So, but here's the part where he, it, comes, it comes to the end. And I, I, this is, um, it, it, I love, I think this is one of the places where you really see the, um, this is so, it's such a strong message. And at the end, you see this very loving side of Jesus, even with these people who hate him. Uh, let me read it to you in verse 37. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you will see me no more until you, until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, if you pause there and give me your attention, last thing I want to tell you, and that is that hypocrisy robs us of God's best. I absolutely love um, what Jesus says here. It's so loving and pastoral where he says, I wanted to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks. Now, most of us would want to gather chicks because eggs are just so darn expensive now. 
And uh, we're like, man, I just need some relief. Maybe I should have grown chicken. You, we all have a one friend that grows, ch- that like has chickens. And we're like, that weirdo. And now they are the smartest person we know. Like who knew? And, um, but, uh, but no, he's saying it in terms of love and protection. You can find all these reports of firefighters that when there's a fire and they see a mother hen that is burned to death and they will, they will begin, kick it or move the, the remains of the mother hen it rolls over and you'll see all these young chicks that are still alive because the mother hen allowed itself to be burned to death while protecting its young. It's this wonderful and beautiful picture that Jesus is giving us is that I wanted to do that. I wanted to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. I wanted to give you love and protection, but you weren't willing. That's the thing about love and protection. You can only receive it if you're willing. And listen, this group of people, they had been waiting for the Messiah for 1,500 years and completely missed him when he was standing in front of them. But I want to tell you something, that the life they desired, the future that they were hoping for, and the freedom that they were desperate to have, they missed all of it because of hypocrisy. And that's the thing about hypocrisy, is that it wants us to act like we're something without actually being it. And it never works that way. And you know what it also does? It makes the person who's putting on the show completely miserable. You know, the opposite is to live authentically, to be real, that, hey, I'm not perfect, but I'm, I'm trying and, and I'm, I'm seeking to do better. And that's okay. Um, a couple of years ago, I had to go and get this test done. And uh, it's called the calcium test for your heart. It's one of the joys of being in your 40s that you have to get all these weird tests done. I'm really, I'm 49. I'm, I'm, the thing I'm not excited about turning 50 is the test that awaits me. And uh, I am really looking for a way out. And uh, I just want to say that it was only men who left. And, um, and it was mostly men younger than me. And I'm just telling you, your time is coming. So, and then I will laugh after I cry when it happens to me. So anyway, so anyway, so I go in to get this, um, I go in to get this calcium test and, uh, and the nurse is there and she's asking me a bunch, you know, kind of the basics, what's your name, your social, your address and kind of the basics, you know, allergies, blah, blah, blah. And then they take me to this machine. I got to lay down on this thing. It's like a giant tube. Um, and, and so, and then she starts asking me info. She's like, okay, um, do you drink? And I said, no. Okay. Do you smoke? No. Do you take drugs? No. Have you ever taken a drug in your life? No. And I'm like, wow, that's very detailed. She's like, I just wanted to know if you're a good pastor because I attend Calvary sometimes. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm thinking, lady, isn't this like a HIPAA violation? You could have just asked. And uh, I wish, I'm telling you, I wish I would have known beforehand. I would have told her I smoked crack three times a week <laughs> just to see her reaction. And... Uh, so, I'm telling you the things that happened to me for your benefit. And so, but you know what the point is? Is that when you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. And this is the beauty of living authentically. It's not perfect, but we're just trying to be real. You know what it does? It sets us free. Um, in Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says this, let love be without hypocrisy. What a powerful statement. In the ancient world, people saw things as hypocritical or sincere. And I know that's weird because 
A hypocritus, that's where we get the word hypocrite, is from this. Uh, it's actually a word from the theater. It's uh, a hypocrite, a hypocritus is someone who wore a mask. If, you've, if you're familiar with um, ancient Greek plays and the, the masks of comedy and tragedy, uh, those were uh, hypocritus. those were hypocrites. It was someone who was pretending to be someone that he wasn't. And so, like, I took my kids to see Hamilton last month, and um, if this were the ancient theater, afterwards we could have walked up and be like, wow, you guys are such fantastic hypocrites, best we've ever seen. And they'd be like, oh, thank you so much, thank you. Uh, now it's not really a compliment, but then it's just, a hypocrite was just someone who was playing a role. It was an actor. But instead of being a hypocrite, instead of being someone who plays a role, the Apostle Paul says that, we need to be sincere. And, and he quotes in another passage in Philippians, he says this, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent and that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. You know what the word sincere means in the Greek language? It literally means this, no wax. And that doesn't make any sense to us until we understand the story behind it. I'm going to share this and then we'll be done. When you went to an artist and you wanted to have a statue built, you would select not just the artist, but you would select the slab of marble or whatever you were going to use. You would select that and then you would tell them what you wanted it to the, the image or the, you know, whatever it was, and they would pick it out and then you would go home and they would call you when it was ready. And whenever you would go to pick it up, you would ask this question, is it sincere or as, is there no wax? Because sometimes, and this happened a lot in the ancient culture, which is why uh, you would ask the question, when the sculptor was chiseling, and let's say he was chiseling, you were doing a statue of a person, and this, you, he was chiseling the face, and he's chiseling, chiseling, and then, and he just knocks the dude's nose off completely. And now you've got a choice to make. The artist has to decide, am I going to stop working on this slab um, of whatever, marble or granite, whatever it is, or I could do something else. I could pick up that nose. I could grind it down. I could take some wax and then I could just rub it together. And through a process, I can make the wax look exactly like the stone that, it, that had fallen off. And then I can just pop the nose back on and make it look like no break had ever happened. The person comes and picks it up very excited. Wow, this looks beautiful. They put it in their front lawn, and then the next morning, the sun would come up. And you want to talk about a runny nose. Uh, that waxy nose would just melt off completely. And that's why they ask whenever they're picking it up, is this sincere? There's no wax. There's nothing fake about it. That's why Paul says that love has to be without hypocrisy. It has to be sincere, because fake love isn't really love. And that's the thing I believe that people get wrong about church. They think that church is somehow this museum for saints. It's not. It's a hospital for sinners. That's what people get wrong about Christianity. They think it's like, well, you get accepted by Jesus when you're perfect. No, Jesus said he only came for sick people. That's why these people came. He, he didn't come for people who thought they were perfect. He came for people that, according to the Beatitudes, the very first one, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Listen, Christianity only works in your life when you acknowledge that we're messed up. And it doesn't work when we pretend that we're perfect. So instead of trying to be perfect, how about this? What if we decided that we were going to be real instead? And you know what we would find? We would find real love. 
and we would find real acceptance and we'd find real joy. Because when we're hiding behind the mask of the hypocrite, we're playing a role to be someone else. You will never know if people love you for you or they love you simply for the persona that you create. And that's why the only solution is to come to Jesus. And that's how he ends this invitation. It's like, look, I wanted you to come to me, but, but you weren't willing that he's inviting people to come to him, but they weren't willing. But see, the, the beauty of this is that God wants to set us free and that we can have a joy that comes from him because so, much, so many of us, we've been searching for joy, we've been searching for peace, we've been searching for hope, and we haven't found it. And the good news is we don't have to search any further. Jesus is offering us life and peace and joy that's lasting and that's real and that we don't have to spend time looking at life through a mask that we create because here's the thing, we create the mask and we think that nobody sees the real us. Listen, God sees the real you and the beautiful thing is that he loves you anyway. God knows the real you and he loves you anyway. He created you in his image So don't hide behind something fake. Instead, maybe we bring the mask to him and we turn it over. And the moment that we do, we will be free to live with joy and free to live the life that he created us to live. Let's pray together. And Lord, we want to thank you. We want to thank you that we don't have to put on a front. We don't have to live a life that's fake. But instead, we can experience a joy that comes from you when we are simply real when we embrace our faults, the fact that we aren't perfect and you aren't asking us to be. Instead, Jesus was perfect for us. And so we simply embrace him. So God, do your work and bring so much joy into our lives, so much peace and life into our lives as we draw close to you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.